Michael. There he is. Hey. There's a man. How are you? Sorry. Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm rocking in the. Uh, Just need a step. There we go. All right. You're in your car. I am, and you got uh, three young kids and a pandemic. It becomes the, the only quiet spot in my uh, my humble abode, if you will. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, so, how you everything going? Okay, though. Yeah. Um, like I said, the last couple of weeks were 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 rough. I think it starts to uh, you know mental health is kind of something that I think a lot of people struggle with. It's one of the things that I. Um, I don't shy away from talking about. Um, okay. So, yeah, I think uh, in regards to just everything that's going on in the world and then just normal day-to-day stuff, it just kind of uh, took a little bit of a toll. And it's it's hard when um, so much of what drives me as an individual revolves around being creative. So when those yeah. things kind of start to uh, not mesh it becomes hard to, to to really make sense of the world i guess in a, in a weird way it's it's, it's i've got a lot of stuff on my plate so i'm very grateful for that um yeah. it's just becomes uh, hard to put that into into some kind of movement you know some of these right. days it's like uh, and, and and you can't go you can't go anywhere you know um i have three kids that i'm really grateful for as well but it's like i live in a smaller apartment um so it's it's uh, it's all or nothing. Everything is zero to sixty, and so the days that they don't make sense. It's uh, yeah. But I'm feeling a lot better. I'm getting. I'm got a lot of stuff. Like I said, I'm, I've been blessed. Actually, interesting enough during all this pandemic stuff. Um, I'm in a much better. I'm, I'm appreciative, and uh, I'm in a better spot than a lot of people are. So uh, yeah, just pushing through, my man. Pushing through. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, you're you mentioned. Uh, oh. Sorry, hold on. No worries. Uh, second zoom meeting and it's at least the zoom part is going better than it did the first time <laughs> I, I uh yeah. i i talked with uh rod lurie and um the zoom was set up by uh pr so the recording didn't end up for whatever reason work out so oh. i think i could start setting all of mine up myself because i can see now it's recording uh yep. but there was a box on the screen and i forgot that the box that shows me and you is is outside of where i was clicking so oh yeah that, that, all that stuff the there. screen for a second i panicked um all right. so are you um are you so you have uh you have work while while this is going on is that what you're getting at yeah um when all this kind of hit i was uh, actually in armenia uh filming a, a television show uh, right uh, and so, yeah, I've been, since I've gotten back, uh, when did I get back? Uh, like towards the end of March, uh, that all the post is, is happening in Armenia as well. So I've just been working remotely in regards to notes um, to the first eight episodes of the show, which uh, the first one will air on uh, July 9th on okay. Popstar TV, which is a streaming service, which I'm really excited about. Um, so those first, the first season will be eight um, episodes and we have those in the can and, and, um, that's that's been keeping me busy and then i've had a couple of ghost jobs that i, I do a lot of ghost writing um i've been doing that for maybe the last six or seven years and um then i have a rewrite that i was doing for uh Hannibal pictures um which is out to cast now so i've been working on i was doing a rewrite for uh, johnny martin 
who was the director of Hangman. That's how I know Johnny. Um, okay. On, on a movie that he's doing with Hannibal. Uh, and then uh, I'm putting the partner on Hunter's Moon, who was uh, Clayton Turnage, who's uh, also the supervising producer on the television show Purgatory that we were working on in Armenia. Um, we're putting together, and you're the first person we're talking about this, so this is exclusive. I don't know if that means okay, anything, cool. but um, we're putting together. Yeah, we're putting together a production company that's a creative co-op uh, called More Than a Handful Productions. What we're doing is um, aligning ourselves. We're working with um, Inktip.com. I don't know if you're familiar with Inktip. Um, no, I'm not. not it's yet. a web. Yeah, they've been they've been around. Uh, Gerald Levon is the. I uh, hope I'm pronouncing that right. I think he was the founder. I I. I've been on both sides with Inktip. I was as you know, you can post your stuff on there as a writer. So I want to say about 15, 16 years ago is when I became familiar with the company. Okay. Uh, but we partnered up with them. Uh, Clay and I collectively know enough filmmakers that are kind of in that same boat that we are, who have produced something, who have directed something, uh, you know, and, and they're up and coming. So what we did is we we've collaborated with four other filmmakers, myself being the fifth. And each of the filmmakers is partnered up with a writer that they've found a script on Inktip. Um, and so we're going to put together a slate uh, with five films uh, to, to film during this crazy time that we're doing right now. Um, but it's a creative co-op in regards to the fact that all of the filmmakers that are involved, we're going to lean on one another, the, 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 the stuff that we've learned through our individual productions and collectively put together and push forward because um, each of the filmmakers has a different kind of background. Um, and we've really lucked out. All five films are, are, are unique, but also uh, the parameters that what we're looking for are um, set up for pandemic. Uh, they're, con they're, you know, contained, um, smaller casts, uh, basically looking at the guidelines that have been put out in, from SAG and uh, IATSE and all that in regards to using smaller crews and all that thing. So all of that was put into play, uh, the box that I kind of put these filmmakers in, along with Clay, to, to find films, uh, scripts that would that would fit this criteria. And we were able to find, uh, we have a horror film, uh, sci-fi. Uh, we have uh, this really cool David Lynch-esque drama um, that's uh, pretty fantastic. Um, we have uh, a, a basic thriller, and I'll say basic, but, um, and then a, a sci-fi thriller. So each of the films is unique, um, which is interesting because they're all in a small kind of box. And the concern initially was like, how do we, uh, make sure that we don't have five films that look identical so that if we're talking to right. distributors. Uh, so, yeah, so we've been, we've been working on that. Uh, there's a lot of uh, work that goes involved with that. And um, that's been kind of creating, uh, it's been feeding my soul in regards to something big picture that I can kind of do when it seems like nothing else is happening, I guess, if you will. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah. So there, and this is going to be for, you said ink spot. Uh, no, Inktip, uh, Inktip.com. Inktip, sorry. That's, that's okay. That's where the writers come from. Um, that's yeah. a website where uh, uh, any screenwriter can, you know, put their material up and producers on the other side can look for certain things and you can put in search gotcha. criteria. So we partnered up with them and, uh, you know, we're talking to distributors now and some financiers uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll put on a press release shortly here in regards to uh, the filmmakers they're paired up with, with the scripts and um, ideally we'd like to have a couple of boxes checked before the the press release comes out but um yeah we're, we're, yeah we're getting some traction on it i think it's going to be kind of the idea is it's a films back to back to back to back um using similar below the line crew and just kind of subbing out the filmmaker and director of photography um and then that way there we're, we're limiting exposure 
with everything that's going on and, and uh, also keep giving people work. I mean, a lot of people yeah. are stressed right now. Um, so anything yeah. that we can kind of do big picture to give back is, 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 you know, this is, this is something that we're kind of trying to do not only creatively for ourselves, but also, I mean, there's a lot of great people in the film industry that are really hurting right now. And, uh, right. I wish that was the case. So. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. I mean, so you're going to be involved, you're involved in producing all five is what you said, correct? Yeah. So Clay and I will, will basically shepherd all five of the projects. I'll, I will uh, step behind the camera and direct one of right. five. Um, I'm working with the writer now, but yeah, ultimately the goal is um, for us to kind of set up a standard and a structure for this co-op so that, um, you know, our, the first five for this year, uh, the goal is to get them all in post, uh, at least in the can uh, before the end of the year, if possible. Every day is different, so it's hard to know if that's going to actually happen, but that's our goal. Right. Um, and then set up the, the standard in regards for what our expectations are, because these will be lower end budget wise. Um, but, you know, something that is commercially viable and that we can put our stamp on and, and put our names on. And the structure part of it is that we set up the foundation for this so that next year um, this can continue either with or without us. We want to kind of, and, this, and to be fair, this we're not the first set of filmmakers to kind of come up with this co-op idea. It's been done several times in Hollywood in the past, uh, you know, it's, and for whatever reason, it worked in various success. And a lot of times I, I know, I think the last thing that comes to mind, I think was like the Sundance kids uh, that kind of came out of Sundance that tried to put together kind of a, co-op with uh you know Finch, fincher and those guys um but it never kind of came to fruition as far as i can remember i think because all the, all of their careers blew up so they didn't they didn't yeah. really have time to uh, kind of collaborate and if that's the case here where one or a couple of the filmmakers blow up i would be happy that that's the outcome of this um but at the very least it's you know it's a chance coming from a writing background um working with inktip it's a chance for up-and-coming writers as well I'd like to kind of cultivate that as much as i can um, to kind of make the experience, what I've been telling both the filmmaker and the writers, as well as Inktip, um, I'd like this experience to be how I would have hoped my experiences, both as a writer and a filmmaker, would have been. Because um, some of these, I, I, I have to look, some of the, this is first time writers, and some of it is filmmakers making their second film and, and learning from that. So it's, there's a way that things could be, and they, unfortunately, a lot of times uh, they're not. Uh, so how do we get that closer? Because filmmaking can be a lot of fun. Um, it's yeah. a, a, a ton of work, but uh, I think when it's fun, you get the better results. Um, so that's what we're pushing for collectively. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, and with regards to Purgatory, uh, how, did, how did that start? And, and if you could tell, I guess, everybody a little bit about what it is. Yeah, so um, Purgatory comes from a company called uh, ATI, which is out of Los Angeles. Um, the owner of the company um, basically bought Popstar magazine a while back and then okay. kind of created Popstar TV. Uh, wanted to come up with his own, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, and I'm sure he could do a much better job at explaining this um, than I could, but uh, basically wanted to do his own online streaming service and, and put content together and kind of build that from the ground up. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I've been in touch with ATI through Clayton Turnage, who's uh, my producing partner on Hangman, uh, sorry, Hunter's Moon, um, initially as a writer. Uh, they, they did a show uh, last year called Death Squad um, that I kind of was hired at the last minute to kind of do a crash 
polish on the uh, on the episodes uh, before they started filming, like literally before they started filming. Um, and then this go around, uh, Clay approached me with Purgatory, uh, which um, was a, originally a, an Armenian television show. Um, mm-hmm. So the idea being that they, they got the Armenian television show, adapted it into English, hired me to kind of write it. And a lot of Armenian television is uh, telenovela-esque. So it's very soap opera. And, okay. and so it doesn't necessarily, we don't want it to be a soap. So, you know, I had to go in and, and this one, I had a lot more time rewrote the script really started to like it it's a great concept uh basically the premise is uh, a group of strangers all get together at this exclusive vacation resort they're all invited to it um uh, for uh, to celebrate the new years Mm -hmm. and uh, of course there's some nefarious stuff in the background and they end up getting trapped um and it ends up being a revenge story of revenge so it's a 16 episode uh television show that's been broken up into eight episode two seasons um so once I started writing it, Clay was like, do you have any interest in directing this? And I said, well, now I do. Um, now that it's, now that I see what it is. Um, yeah. So I was hired, hired to uh, go direct it. And we went out to Armenia, worked with a fantastic crew out there. The cast was um, a partial Armenian cast, partial uh, U.S., partial uh, U.K. So people flew in from uh, U.S., U.K., and uh, then there was some Armenian local cast that uh, as well, it's a show in English. Um, and uh, it's, yeah, it's a revenge television show where a bunch of people get trapped down into this uh, man-made cave and it's, uh, things start to go awry. So it's, it's very, um, it's like a psychological thriller, uh, I guess, if you will. So, but I'm okay. fun with it. And, and the I'll, send the, get... I'll send you the, I'll send you the trailer. I'll send you the okay. trailer. That would be great. Yeah. We could put that in, uh, included in too. So that'd be great. Um, cool. What what was the re- reasoning behind Armenia? Was it just because of that it was came from Armenia originally, or it was just cheaper? Um, well, the owner of ATI, David, uh, my understanding is is he he has um, culturally he's, he's I don't know if he's a partial if he's an Armenian or uh, I'm not sure. I know he's done uh, he did a great documentary um, that tied in the Armenian with Holocaust and anti-Semitism that I saw last year that he did with uh, Montel Williams and uh, Dean Kane as executive producers, interestingly enough, um, that was really well done. So I don't know if, I think it's, um, I think he has some kind of ties to the Armenian uh, people, if you will. And uh, yeah, I think it, there's there's certain production reasons that working in Armenia, uh, the, the, the creatively they've got a great uh, up and coming making talent over there. Um, but of course, like a lot of other places, it's, you know, economically makes sense to film out there, I guess, as a way to look at it. And right now there's not, uh, they're, they're trying to build their film world, um, in Armenia, but it's, it's, it's up and coming. So it's kind of an untapped potential, if you will. Um, and the, gotcha. and the crew and the, uh, I, I co-directed with a man named Hayek, who is an Armenian director, uber talented guy. Uh, and I was just blown away with the professionalism of the crew and the talent of the crew. I mean, we got our end, uh, so much pre pre-production work that it was like i was blown away uh, i was just kind of like wow this is amazing and then also the people are just an amazing warm loving uh community i just had such i actually really fell in love with armenia as a whole so i was appreciative of i think i think it shows my work um i i my expectations are high with anything but right. looking at the trailer and then look at these episodes going like wow this is um this is exceeding my expectations which is always a 
a pleasant surprise, I guess. I mean, we worked hard. I mean, we pushed. There was uh, the days that we put in were intense, and the, and the cast and the crew were just fantastic. I can't say enough. Uh, I, I'm gonna take. I, I know I'm gonna get credit for it, but it's one of these things where it's really a team collaboration, and uh, and I, I really firmly believe that. And, and and I couldn't have done it with with all of these people, and especially Hayek, because so big things from him moving forward as well. And I'm I'm just excited to see what he does next. Gotcha. Well, um, was there anything about filming there that you um, either were surprised by or disappointed wouldn't be exactly the word, but uh, lacking that you could have gotten somewhere else? Uh, lacking, no. I mean, I literally, uh, there was, uh, we, we, we sh page count, we shot, I, I mean, <laughs> it was, it was intense. We were, we were shooting it as if, we, there were days we were averaging probably 18 pages a day um, okay. some days we, we topped up at 25 which is insane luckily as the story progresses um, it's a very contained uh, location and with two cameras all handhelds for the most part um, what I was impressed with was PR uh, I had worked for um, was their ability to kind of flip the room and, and, and once we get coverage on one side and and and, and uh, sorry you're cutting what out. they were doing in terms of light um yeah sorry then, oh, michael get, you're cut you cut out there with the whole thing after uh you were talking about flipping the room and you're paused right now yeah okay i, I can see you was saying um yeah i was really impressed with our tour and his team to what they were able to achieve in terms of lighting uh very minimalistic and natural uh got into these this man cave that we were shooting in um the look of it and you'll see in the trailer uh price but the turnaround flipping the room going from one coverage to the other uh, the, the time was just quick and doesn't look that way but, uh, I would prove were that good. Uh, it was energy to it. The crew worked together. Very group of people have put together. The, uh, and then the episode airs on uh, on uh, which app you can or TV or your um, I uh, uh, so did you freeze again? There you are. That's the oh, one thing yeah, about these I, Zoom calls. You, is it, it, yeah, you kind of the last like minute kind of just went kind of out of it's it. walk. Yeah, sorry, I don't know. It's uh. I'm I'm literally right below my my internet router, so I, I don't. I, I think it's just these Zoom calls. I've done enough of them during this pandemic where there's no rhyme or reason to it. It'll start to tap out at some point. Yeah. So apologies. I, I was just saying, okay. yeah. Um, it, it premieres on July 9th on uh, Popstar TV, so you can. It's an app that you can get on a smart uh, TV or um, on your laptop or pad or whatever, and and it's also you can watch it directly on the website. Uh, but I'll send you the trailer, okay. uh, and uh, yeah, you let me know your thoughts. Yeah, we'll do. Um, 
And um, well, let's talk a little bit about Hunter's Moon and how that came about. Um, was that something you wrote initially on your own or did somebody come to you with an idea or how did that happen? Uh, yeah, so Hunter's Moon was originally called The Orchard. Um, it was a script that I wrote um, prior to jumping in you know, both feet as a, as a, as a writer, uh, right around when uh, Hangman, <clears throat> I, I don't think Pacino had been cast at that point, but Hangman had started to really pick up some traction. And I, at the time, was uh, running restaurants as a GM chef uh, and working ridiculous amounts of hours, not getting a lot of writing done. And I had talked to my wife uh, saying, like, you know, I think we should take this leap of faith. I think I should leave, this, <laughs> leave my quote-unquote day job even though it was very well paying and uh, certainly had some uh, value in terms of uh, being creative. And there was some, there were parts of restaurant that I really enjoyed. Um, but uh, or the orchard was one of the first scripts that I wrote because my commitment to myself, if I left the restaurant, cause I was working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks was to just put that amount of time into writing. Uh, if I were to literally leave so it, and it sounds insane, but for the first uh, months, that's literally what I was doing. I would sit, and I would write for 10 hours, I mean, just nonstop. I mean, it probably wasn't the healthiest thing to do because I was chain smoking and drinking enough caffeine to kill a small horse, um, <laughs> but I was cranking scripts. Um, and The Orchard was one of them. And it, and it was such a fun script. Um, and at the time I was, uh, Hangman was kind of being in development and doing a bunch of other stuff. Um, Arnold Rifkin and I had had lunch and I had mentioned to him that I wanted to kind of direct, <laughs> I think at this point, uh, when I mentioned this, I think Hangman had come out at that point. Um, and so he was talking to somebody and he had said, do you have any scripts that you could do for, you know, million, million and a half, two million, somewhere in that, in that wheelhouse. And I said, yeah, there's, there's the orchard. Let me send it to you. Let me know your thoughts. And that's kind of, uh, where that started. It was a really long road to get the finish line, but, um, that was the initial concept. And, and I, and I owe a lot of credit to, uh, Christopher Sherman who's another producing partner on, on the project and who was my manager for years and uh, like family. Uh, he, he was really pushing me to, to, to direct as well saying like, I know this is what you want. Um, right. Let's kind of try to push. That. So, so that it was kind of a perfect storm. Uh, Chris was giving me that support and showing me something that I knew, but kind of laying that out there. And then Arnold had presented the opportunity and then uh, I had hooked up with clay through a mutual friend and uh, we got some financial backing. Uh, this is back in uh, 2017. Um, and then we went and started to shoot. We went to Kentucky. We started to shoot the film um, with the idea of filming as much as we could with the financing that we had. Uh, and then come back to L.A., uh, wrap the Kentucky vacation, come back with just needing to finish a partial of, this, of the movie um, and cut together kind of a... a a trailer, if you will, to, to kind of get some more financing. And, and in that whole thing ended up that we had to do some recasting, um, some major recasting actually. And so that kind of put a big giant, massive pause on the entire process. So the film kind of stuck, was stuck in limbo uh, all the way until uh, 2019. Uh, and that's when we were able to uh, get some more financing. We connected with, um, uh, the guys at Grindstone and the guys at Blyberg and uh, through Bonded Media uh, were able to finish the financing and, and get Thomas Jane attached as the sheriff, gotcha. uh, which was part of the package. So, and then 
basically we reshot a massive amount of the film. Uh, <laughs> there's not a lot of Kentucky left in the film, unfortunately, um, and meshed the two worlds together uh, in 2019 and, and, and reshot. And we did like uh, almost the entire script, I'm not going to lie to you, uh, over eight days uh, in the outside of Los Angeles. Um, and that's, that's kind of how this all came to, together. And then, uh, working with um, guys over at Buffalo 8, which is uh, one of the bonded companies. Uh, we, we we got a fantastic editor uh, named Justin, who was able to, uh, I guess, seamlessly put these two entirely different worlds together, um, in my opinion. Uh, you know, there were so many issues with the filming. Having to recast and reshoot big, giant chunks of, of the script when you're already, you know, it's already low budget, having issues in that regards. Um, that that's uh i'm proud of, of how it ha you know how it turned out um but there certainly were limitations and a lot of obstacles and a lot of uh learning on the fly uh that, that that's there so it's not uh it's not a masterpiece by any stretch um, but i'm really proud of what it what it is and i think it's a fun movie yeah i uh, i i i gotta admit i i always get nervous when i get to know somebody and then i have to see like their new work or something you know i've had friends and in the music business and, and the film business now and the restaurant world. And it's, it's always difficult when something new, they do something new and you're worried that what if this is the thing you don't like, uh, yeah. you, how do you convey that, you know? Uh, and with Hunter's Moon, I, I, I gotta be honest. I, you know, I do it was all for a low budget. So I, I was, I was kind of worried about how I'd figure this out, but I ended up, uh, it, it actually enjoying it because I'm not a big horror fan typically, and I know right, it's right. barely in that that realm. But it's it, it's kind you know the, the the imagery they it's obvious they were trying to go for uh, selling it more as a horror film uh, with the yeah. imagery and which is actually a pretty cool poster um, and the title change because the orchard could have I guess to them probably been anything and. Uh, right. actually does make a little more sense, uh, in my opinion. So they, you know, sometimes, sometimes the, the money people can, uh, <laughs> end up helping, I think in some, in some regards, uh, unless that was your idea. I don't, well, how did the name change come about? No, actually it was, it was the, the guys at Grindstone. I actually fought it, um, only because, uh, my concern and I understand it from our King's perspective, I, I'm, I'm, actually went to Boston college for business for a little while. So it's not like, uh, I'm oblivious to how this works, but, um, my concern was that like, exactly like you said, it's not necessarily a, a traditional horror movie and it wasn't, and that's what I was, I didn't want to make a, you know, I'm, I'm right. a big horror fan or has influenced me quite a bit. And, and I wanted to kind of pay homage to that, but I wanted to do something a little bit different and unique. And my concern was by changing the name and really pushing that werewolf element that, people would go in with expectations that weren't what I was trying to do as a filmmaker. And I've read some of the reviews and, and kind of cringed because that was taken out of my hands. And, and, and again, I understand and it's, it's an amazing poster um, and DVD cover. Love it. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I, the, the name is Grummy. So I'll say that, but my thing with the ocean was that it was a little bit more ambiguous. I was kind of trying to throw out a little bit of a broader net and I didn't want people right. going in as werewolf fanboys. Um, knowing that I had gone the Jaws route on this, nothing to do with budget. We actually, um, uh, Vincent, who's our uh, special effects guy, phenomenal job with the werewolf. And 
by any other stretch, I would have shown the shit out of that thing, but uh, it wasn't the movie I was trying to make. I didn't want to do The Howling. I didn't right. want to do, you know, American World of London. Uh, this was more of a character piece, and I wanted it to kind of have kind of that fun thriller thing that had some mm-hmm. yeah, had some purposely. I wanted the beginning to be very cliche on purpose so that I could turn it on its head a little bit. And I just felt like by changing the title and with the trailer, you know, there were some twists that were revealed a little bit. And, uh, you know, those are things that I, it was part of the learning curve. Um, and now I know that, uh, you know, that this, that, that, that's a possibility with, I guess, any film. Um, so yeah, that, that's how that kind of came about. Um, I, I guess I'm just frustrated as a filmmaker that some of the negativity, because <laughs> if people are going like, this isn't a werewolf movie. And I go, I, I know I didn't want it. I didn't sell it that way. And that wasn't my initial intent. Well, to me, it's um, still a werewolf. So yeah. It's just not nonstop werewolf. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I said, I think at the end of the day, what I wanted to do was something that, that, that was fun that, you know, it's, it has some popcorn feel to it. Um, and, and I wanted to have some talented actors. I think we really lucked out and had some great actors um, really have some fun with it. And, and, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the movie, you know, a lot of the response I'm getting is like, Oh, you know, I didn't know. Even even uh, Spencer Daniels, who plays uh, Lenny, the Lenny character, um, when I first talked to him, was trying to get him to do the role. He was like, "I got to be honest, I hated your script for the first like, you know, seventy, eighty, ninety pages because I just hated the, the the character that you wanted me to play." And then you get the twist, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, okay." Like, and I and I go, "That's that's kind of I don't know if that's." the best way to be a filmmaker or not, but that's kind of how I was writing in regards to, uh, and I wanted things to be a little bit different. And I think we were able to do that despite the restraints that we had. So that's kind of the long. Well, that's his, his take on it actually was, um, you know, I was, it's one of those movies I wouldn't mind watching again now that I know how it goes because I'd like to view it differently. Cause I was like, as it was going, I'm like, okay, well, what, what exactly is going on here? <laughs> right. And, right. And like, who exactly, you know, I knew there was a werewolf in there. I'm like, but who the hell is it? Like, you know, I didn't really get this. I, I'll be honest. I, in, in spoilers, I mean, ahead of time, I didn't get to say, I'm not going to give actual huge spoilers, but uh, who ended up being a werewolf genuinely surprised me because I was like, that's, that wasn't where my head was thinking. I was cool. thinking it was going to be something completely off, you know, like out of the blue, like, you know, just something going on while this, while these other things were happening. The fact right. that there's a reveal and you realize that there was a point to all of it, you know, made it even better. And that, that's, so it's a rare, it's a rare movie to kind of take the last third of it and all of a sudden make the movie pretty, pretty awesome because most movies end up falling apart at the last third. So you did yeah. out, thanks, like, thanks. the most successful thing ever, which is to <laughs> make, the opposite. Make, make the viewer <laughs> kind of sit there and want to review what they saw to begin with, because they, they were being led in a direction that they didn't, I don't, and maybe it's me, maybe I'm gullible. I like going. I like watching almost any movie. I like being surprised. I kind of. I, I do tend to check out. Not check out, but put that um, unless something's really awful from the beginning. I tend to sit there and not criticize it from jump. I want to be. I, I throw myself into it 
and I want to be entertained and I want to be surprised. So things that maybe, you know, somebody could be sitting there, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Like, okay, but you're not, how do you enjoy anything if you're sitting there trying to guess what's happening? It's like, just go, right. you know? And the, the final third of the film really made me re review in my head what happened the first two thirds and it, it put a whole different spin on it. And I, I, I gotta say, I was actually genuinely happily surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Cause like Thanks, I said, I don't, like, I don't typically like horror films. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like I'll, I'll, I'll see some, even like when we were getting notes uh, throughout some of the process, people were like, well, what's the acting here is so weird. And I'm like, well, yeah, but if you go back after and see where they're acting that way, like, I'm, I'm like, are you saying acting in terms of like the actors acting weird or the characters acting weird? The characters acting weird. Well, yeah, uh, that, there's a reason that the characters acting weird without giving right. it away. But and 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 you know, and, well, it's like frustrating because I don't understand what's going on. And it's like, okay, well, like the point you, of is it, is it is yeah, is it keeping your interest enough to find out, or do you want to shut it off? No, I, I want to see how it ends. Well, that, that's then 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 I've done my job. Like that's the whole you know. And I also like there's you know. We, we, I think society-wise, we, we've gotten to a place where people have to be beaten over the head and everything has to be so on the nose. And, and I just don't want to treat the audience as stupid. And, you know, certain people have watched the movie and gone like, oh, I had it figured out pretty quickly. <laughs> that, that's cool. I don't, I don't have an issue with that. I, I knew there were certain spots. I had questions posed to me. Well, looking back uh, at it, I could see how somebody could, could actually see it. You know, I just, I, I just had to have this thing where I uh, sustain belief because I want to actually enjoy every film I see. I, you know, I, as much as like people think that critics or people that are critical don't want to, you know, they hate everything. Well, that's not true. I mean, there's certainly stuff I hate, <laughs> you know, right. and there's certainly right. stuff I've hated from the, the minute it starts and I'm like, uh, this is not going to be good. And it just gets worse from there. But this was one where I was like, I was really curious. The only, God, my only criticism and it's a weird one because I'll, I'll admit, I know you're friends with them. Uh, and this just happened with Rod's film, The Outpost, where I never liked Orlando Bloom in anything. But I thought he was mm -hmm. freaking awesome in The Outpost. And, and like, I, now I want to, I, I figure maybe sometimes people just need to take time to kind of get, like, to be, because he, you know, Orlando Bloom was a guy that got successful very young. Yeah. And so maybe he had to take time, and this is, you know, in my head, perhaps, to get the chops to match the acclaim that he had gotten early, you know, because I mean, you know, good looking dude, you know, young and all that, girls go crazy, blah, blah, blah. And, and this, yeah. is, this is an odd juxtaposition because it's not exactly the same thing, but I have always been up and down on Jay Moore. And mm -hmm. um, I ended up, I will say, I ended up liking him in this film. But there's that initial moment where he kind of flips out on his family mm -hmm. that I still think, for whatever reason, I don't know how, and this is just, this is just me, and this is literally my only critique, I, I, it felt really odd. And maybe you could explain it, have it written and directed it. It just felt, because he's so, it wasn't one of those, because, you know, like if he were the only one, if he were the, if he were the werewolf, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I would get like that's a, that would be a, a symbol of him keeping his anger in or, or whatever. And I suppose it was. Um, but it, it felt 
and again, you know, low budget, I get it. You're, you do, you're not going to do 30 takes uh, of a scene. You know, if you think you got it right, you know, sometimes I'm get, you know, I'm, I'm over talking here, but what, what do you think about that scene I'm talking about in the beginning with at the grocery store? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I look at it differently. Um, kind of comparing it, I guess, to kind of the animal kingdom, if you will, where, you know, he's the, the, the headline and, um, you know, spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. He, um, you know, when, after when they're in the, the motel room and she says, now, how are you feeling? And he's like, better, much better. I think, yeah. you know, in between it, it to being kind of, and this is a ridiculous analogy, but being hangry. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just like he's literally uh, getting to that point where his, uh, okay, I can you know, see his that. anger is, 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 and I think he's um, probably the more, I don't, I don't want to say dominant because the, 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 the yeah, he's the head of the household, the, you know, the, right. the king lion, if you will. So I think this is something that they're, they're as a family unit, they're somewhat familiar with, you know, when it comes time to dinner, just be careful around dad until he eats. Um, but it also I wanted it to kind of be an, enough where it's so weird. People are going like, what the, what in the hell? Like right. that was a thing where it's a, it's a relatively quick movie. So like the whole thing is, is like when people are going like, what just happened? And then by the time you're trying to process that, there's something else that's thrown in your face and you're either going, right. what the hell just happened? Or you're distracted and you're going in that thing. So it's one of those things where you, at the end you go back and go like, well, that makes sense. Like they were getting ready to leave. They was ready to go hunt. They, you know, uh, he was losing his cool. He was being challenged by the, his cubs, so to speak, right. um, who, who haven't had their first kill. So they don't know what it's like to, uh, to have that. Obviously Juliet's character is, is probably the closest to dad and is fiending. Um, that parallel between, you know, becoming a young woman and sexuality and, and, and uh, getting that other release that, that, that the twist is involved with. So um, I think that's, that, that's where I'm at with that scene. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, but, it, but I, but I like the fact that we can talk about that and I, and I, and I, that's missing in filmmaking and, and, and critics and the 24 hour news cycle. And, you know, everyone yeah. that has a, a website or whatever is, is this ability for us to um, kind of dissect. And, and now there, I think there's more access to filmmakers between Twitter and, and these other avenues than ever. Um, right. And the instinct for people to tear down rather than to ask questions. And as a filmmaker, you don't get to put an asterisk next to anything that, that you've done, your name's on it and that's it. And, and people don't get to see, I, I haven't found respect for any movie that's ever been made whatever is the worst movie ever made, I still have a new respect for it because yeah. it is insane to get it from screen to distribution on any level, on any budget. Um, there's just so many obstacles and there's so many chefs in the kitchen for better or for worse. Um, and right. then there's just so many, so many boxes that you have to check that I think the general public isn't aware of. And that's fine because looking behind the curtain kind of removes that. Like you said, you want to just check out and watch a movie. It's one of the reasons I enjoy the horror genre because I'm able to do exactly what you do and just sit and just let myself go and don't, don't think. And if you're going to scare the crap out of me, I'm the guy that's going to jump. I'm not going to try and be cool about it. Uh, you know, I'm the guy in the theater, you know, clinging to the seat. Uh, you know, I, I like that. I like the fact that, you know, you're taking me for this journey. Um, so, so maybe the public not seeing behind the curtain is a good thing too, but it's a catch 22. Um, right. We don't get to really explain this happened or this happened or this actor was, sick or or we lost a day of shooting because of rain or whatever there's just so many different things that happen right. Uh, right. that 
you know, other people that have day jobs have issues happen during the same. It's no different than filmmaking. So it's just interesting. Right. It's just, it's well, there I for think everybody has the idea that while you, they, they probably sit there and think, well, everybody, every film has all the money in the world to fix everything. You know, it's like, no, not every movie is a Marvel movie where they could fix every little issue if they need to. Right. You know? right. Nobody's going to sit there. I mean, you you did reshoot, uh, you know, shockingly on a small budget, but most films don't get to, you know, do like, you know, X-Men Dark Phoenix did, which is go back six, nine months after they were done and refilm an yeah. entire ending, you know? Right. Uh, and sometimes, and you know, and that's that could be good, that could be bad. Uh, sometimes it's you know, it's it's it just depends on what the product uh, end product is, you know. Um, but no, that's a, that's a fair point, and it, it's it's something as I've gotten older. I mean, I didn't grow up with the internet, obviously, so uh, it came around. I, I didn't get to it until I was in my twenties. And it's something that I even had my growing pains because I started writing around the time I started experiencing experiencing the internet. And mm-hmm. uh, my first thing was message boards. That was before social, you know, MySpace and all that sure. stuff. And, you know, I could, you know, where similar minds got together and, you know, we were all kind of jerky about our opinions and stuff, but it's the way you were with your friends, but then it was amplified to a wider audience and then of course and social media comes around and it's amplified to the whole world you know and people like you said filmmakers and artists and everybody else that you've actually seen things of are there and then everybody thinks they have the right to just you know shit on everything and uh i i got to the point where i i decided only to truly shit on politicians and those you know making yeah, life worse for the world <laughs> And that, that got stuff me that passed I, off Twitter, so. <laughs> are you are you off forever now? Uh, I can't seem to find a way to get back on. Yeah, I called one of Trump's former cabinet or, I don't know, cabinet members or acting, whatever. I called him uh, effing C. And uh, within seconds, I was suspended. Yeah, what I noticed, because uh, I go on my engines for politicians as well, um, on Twitter, if you use the F word back to back a few times with uh, yeah. people that have blue check marks in particular and politic- political figures, it, it dings me yeah. every time. I usually get the temporary suspension, but it'll be, right. I notice it's when I, like, I'll have like five tweets that are like, F this, that, F this, that, and it's always to these politicians, Twitter immediately, boom, knock it off. And then I yeah. usually stop. Uh, you know, I've gone back and forth with that because I, I went and I cleaned up my Twitter and got rid of all that stuff. But then I realized, you know, sitting here with three young kids and, and pandemic that we're going through that, like, I don't, I have a career that I, you know, starting, starting to take off a little bit. And, and I realized that people from both sides of the political spectrum, I'd want to see my movies, but I also don't as a father and as a human being, I, I don't want to stifle my voice when things are so fucking ridiculous that like, yeah. and I know the, I know these politicians aren't looking at my tweets. I'm not that stupid, but, but to your point, getting back to the message boards and Reddit and all those things like that, I think it, I think fans should be able to opinion. I just think we've gotten to this place where it's, everything is just so negative. I mean, people, yeah. 
I mean, look look at a thread about Star Wars. I mean, it's just insane. Right. People are. Oh so yeah, no, I I I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm wearing a Chewbacca shirt. Um, nice. And I had to I had to stop engaging with Star Wars fans after a while because they were making me nuts. I mean, you know, so I it just. Um, the whole thing, you know, what it does, it, 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 what it should be doing is that, and maybe this is a, a parenting thing, is it's a new thing for parents to have to really deal with is how to behave, not just in person, but online. Now, hmm. you know, I think it's because of the anonymity or, you know, the fact that you're, sure. you're here and somebody else is in wherever, that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all, you know, it's no big deal, but, you know, there are, there are repercussions, and quite frankly, ever since I got kicked off Twitter, I've you know I've missed some of it, but I don't miss it, miss it as much as I thought I would. It was just yeah. like negativity for the most part. So um, it's super negative. I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I think it's the I've been tempted to get off, and I think well, I do need it for career. And uh, you yeah. know, one of the things I noticed there was a review uh, during Hangman uh, that uh, this 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 critic was, and you know, I say critic, uh, she had a blog or whatever, but uh, was like calling me out by name and like really being my livelihood and was like literally saying like, here's Michael Casey who has four other films in some kind of pre-production when female screenwriters can't get the time of day uh, and really went on this massive soapbox, you know, this box, stand, this, this tangent. So I chimed in saying like, you know, you don't know the first thing about me. I mean, like I was, you know, raised by my mom and my grandmother predominantly. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I was in the middle of shooting Hunter's moon, the second part. I said, you know, I'm, I'm shooting a film now that by all intents and purposes is a female empowerment film, very female centric cast come to set to me. And to me, your review reads like someone that's never been on set. Why don't you come to set meet right. me? And then you can kind of see, because everything that you're saying about female screenwriters, I'm, pro i'm for i think we need minorities in general uh whether that's female or or minority by race um i'm all for but to attack me personally in a review for a film that i wrote that i didn't even direct i just was like outraged blasting you for having a career is just odd it's like well okay it's not his fault that he wants to work and he's got work it's it's a larger you know, it, it, uh, uh, unbalance, you know, at hand, maybe not hiring enough females to do this or that. And that, you know, attacking one person, well, but, you know, Steven Spielberg's working, he's a man, you know what I mean? Like, I, know. Well, I don't understand, well, like. I, I, she ended up blocking me, but I had said, like, I, I get that. You, <laughs> not surprising. Yeah, I said, I get that you have, uh, you know, a narrative that you really want to push here. So I think you've kind of convoluted you've tried to do a review uh which shows me i don't think that you've been on a film set because you're giving the writers way too much credit first of all on how a film turns out uh which you know that's in in itself i think if you want to review a film at least up on the film set and realize how films are actually made so it puts you in another perspective but um but also yeah i mean you're attacking livelihood i have a family and and you know I, i I've been working, I've been doing this for 20 some odd years. It's not like, you know, Hangman came out when I was 16 years old. I mean, I'm, I'm in, I'm 41 right now. So I worked my yeah. ass off, sacrificed and pushed 
and learned and, and all these things, you don't, again, I don't carry, there's not a resume attached to my forehead or an asterisk right. on Hangman on shows like it, what it took, how long it took Hangman to get made and all the different actors that went involved with that and the, and the different directors and, and the countless rewrites and the hours and everything that went into that. Uh, people don't see that. And so, you know, it's like when you go to a restaurant, again, I've worked in restaurants and ran them, so I, I can appreciate this. It's like, I can always tell when someone's never worked in the service industry by how they are reacting when something doesn't go their way, even if they're right at a restaurant, people right. get pain. And that's, the, that's, that's society as a whole right now. If you don't like a movie, that's fine. Not, I can't, I, no filmmaker can make a movie to appease everybody. It's just not going to happen. And it's not how art should be. It's the same thing with like a painting or a, a music or whatever. Um, there's other filmmakers, there's other movies, there's other music, there's other artists, painting, whatever. Find what, what piques your interest. So if someone asks your opinion, then by all means give it. But this notion of like having to throw up out there everything. And some of the reviews I, uh, on Hunter's Moon or Hangman, I would look at the other reviews and there would be nothing but negative reviews. And it's like, all right, you hate everything. So like, how are you right. serving society by like, it's a, what does that do? That means you don't like anything. Right. I mean, the whole thing with Rotten Tomatoes, it's a great concept in general, but when it shows like this many negative review reviewers, and then I'm looking at who the reviewers are, I'm like, these are, I mean, I could be a reviewer, I guess, if that's the case. And it's, with yeah. all due respect, it's like. No, there's not. What, what, the, the days of, I grew up loving Roger Ebert. You know, and yeah, me too. As as I and, am. and you know, sure they could they could slam shit, and people were up in arms back then about the up thumbs up and down, and but you know, compared to now, it's like you know they were positively you know they were effusive about every almost everything, even something they didn't like. I mean, the fact is, like a lot of times, you were still getting a you were still getting publicity that you went right. anywhere else. And, right. and, yeah, they did the I hated, hated, hated it, you know, like, you know, the worst of the year. And I know a lot of you guys, and I'm a creative type too from, you know, doing different things in, in my life. Um, don't, you know, sometimes are a little iffy on, on oh, you yeah. know, talking you about and I went back and forth. <laughs> yeah, you and yeah. I, I was on that list of the I hate yeah. the worst list. We're, we're you know, gonna, I, I get yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I get, I get the, uh, the feeling, but I also think there's a certain glee and, in, in, in trashing, trashing stuff sometimes too, but I think what, when it comes to being used as an attack, like say you make a political statement of some sort, you know, say Black Lives Matter, or, you know, whatever, and somebody goes at you, oh yeah, you know, whatever, your film sucks because this sucked and that sucked, and you know, like. It's like, okay, it's one thing to say, like, you didn't like a movie, but to sit there and then right. hang you out and then to slam you, it, it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a lack of decorum is really what it is. You know, it's well, one thing you don't like something. <laughs> well, it's, it's Robert De Niro. I mean, that's what he's going through right now. I mean, anybody who supports Trump hates Robert De Niro right now. It's like, I just think that's the most asinine position I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it's the same on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, I guess James Woods would be uh, is less on the other side to think about, but um, oh, you know, James, that... for me to say, as a person, I wouldn't break bread with James Woods, but I mean, no. he's been in some great movie. Uh, I would still I've watch enjoyed. his movies. Yeah. yeah. So, the, you know, this whole idea of like, uh, you know, 
I'm never going to watch this person or I'm never going to, it's the same thing with uh, I'm never going to follow football because people are kneeling. I just don't, life is way too short for that. And I just don't, I think it's realist that like yeah. you're not watching football to say you're supporting someone's political views. Like that's not, you're, you're right. watching football to be entertained and they're using their vehicle to push what's important to them. And they have that right. And they have that platform. It's the same thing, you know, these award shows where people are like, Oh, just shut up and get the awards. Well, how do, when something is so weighing on somebody, how, how do you expect them to do that? And they also, you know, I saw someone criticizing Leonardo DiCaprio the other day for his, you know, his uh, charities in regards to um, the environment. Well, how many private jets does he fly on? It's like, well, he, right. he's been, he's been an advocate for, for the environment for what, 25 years. I mean, it's like, right. you're going to, of course he flies on private jets. I mean, how can Leonardo DiCaprio fly on JetBlue? Yeah. Right. He's, I mean, not gonna, like, he's not going to be a coach. He can't because he literally can't. No right. way he can do it. Right. Just wouldn't happen. It's the same reason that uh, you know Donald Trump's not flying on JetBlue either, even before he was president. You just can't. There's certain ways. Right. There's just, that's how society is. But this whole discrediting an entire person's work because of something you don't agree with, I just can't. I, I, a, I try small not, hip, a, a small hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah. So you know. So here we are. It's uh, you know. I'm I'm curious just to see how how filmmaking in general and independent film in particular pushes forward uh, with everything that's happening now. So I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's getting harder and harder, and I I feel like uh, maybe we took for granted some of the um, things that as a society in terms of entertainment prior to all this. So I, I you know look at look at everything that everyone's doing now. Netflix, right. Netflix, Netflix, Amazon, 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 music, right. music, music, music and reading books and painting and that's literally everyone's day now because that's what we have to do while we stay inside right uh so maybe maybe we'll change i don't know we'll see how that that plays uh, i'm with you on twitter maybe i should get off and this just gets me frustrated in the middle of the night more than anything else yeah. well i mean you know, i make the conscious effort to, I, I got i got i got booted and i'm just feeling that push yeah i got pushed you got pushed yeah yeah, it's, yeah. it's fine by me. <laughs> um, well, I think it's a yeah. good, place to, good place to end it. Um, yeah. I wanted to... You're probably, probably spending your time on Twitter. <laughs> you there? Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I think we both froze. There you go. I see you. All right. It's weird because... Sometimes the audio keeps going and the video just freezes. It's hard to tell which so one. So it must be like, a, it must be, yeah, Zoom because, yeah. Um, all right. Well, um, I appreciate you taking the time. This has been a chat with Michael Casey's new show, Purgatory, is coming out on Popstar. Uh, Hunter's Moon is now available uh, where basically ever you get movies, like, you know, for rental or, or however. It's not streaming anymore right now, is it? It's still just on video on demand. Uh, yeah, you can get on Amazon, iTunes, Fandango, Redbox. Uh, you can get the DVD from, you know, again, Amazon, Walmart, right. Target, uh, all those places. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure what the next um, step will be, whether it's, okay. you know, cable. I'm, I'm, that's the next evolution of the distribution that I'm not privy to, but I'm sure that, okay. yeah. But it's basically where, you know, you can buy the, buy it on physical copies, wherever you get those and, if you buy yeah. a video on demand, wherever you get get those, it's it's available now. It's it's worth a look. Uh, so check it out. 
And Hangman, uh, Hangman's on Netflix now too. So, uh, oh yeah, Hangman's Hangman. on that. Wait, I forgot about that. Hangman's on Netflix with uh, yeah. Al and Carl Urban. Um, yeah, they're both really good. In it. Uh, yeah, I actually thought Brittany Snow uh, stole stole the movie. I, I was really happy with her performance. So, I'm, but it's a fun. Uh, it's a you know, it's a, a movie that is near and dear to my heart. And and um, uh, yeah, just have time to check that out as well. So. So thanks for the, Purgatory thanks for the, coming soon. Hunter's Moon on video on demand and Hangman is on Netflix right now. So go check out all of them as soon as you can. And uh, there'll be more information when this goes up. And the trailer will be attached to this and, and anything else we can throw in there. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate the time. It's been great chat and let's do it again soon. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, you take care and I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, man. Take care. Have a good one. You too. All right, bye. Bye.